have people who have witchcraft or witches in their family and they were hiding in plain sight. From the Coin Podcast Network Studios in Portland, Oregon, this is Six Questions with Emily Burris and Ian Costello. Hey, Ian. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, well, it's been it's been a day. I just bumped into the microphone really hard. I hope that didn't. Uh, it doesn't look like it came through. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, at the risk of sounding incredibly basic, I will say that it is my favorite time of the year. Ooh. It is fall. Oh, I was I, I was leaning more towards Halloween, but fall and is spooky season. Spooky yes. Spooky season. Okay. Um, spooky season. Peak of fall. Fun. I think. Fall is great. Uh, I hated fall growing up. The more I've uh, grown up and grown older and uh, kind of leveled out emotionally as one hopes to do as an adult, uh, it's my favorite season. It's just so cool. I uh, I think I like it so much because I didn't get a fall for so many years in Florida. Yeah. You know, Florida has two seasons, uh, hot and surface of the sun. <laughs> so in in what should be fall and winter, it's just no longer a temperature that's like ridiculous to be outside in. <laughs> right. But it doesn't ever feel, I used to get so bummed out in the, in, you know, from October on because Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, none of it ever felt like the holidays to me because it was sunny and 75 degrees out and I was still going to the beach on the weekend. And I noticed some people that sounds fantastic. And they're probably wondering like, well, you crazy. Why would you leave that? But there's just to me, there's something so fun about the leaves changing and the air getting crisp. And I like even the rainy, cloudy days that we get here and all the crows coming into the city. And I I just, I think Portland in particular in the fall is great. One of the other things uh, that I will say obviously comes up with spooky season uh, is witches. 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 What comes to your mind when I when I first bring up a witch? Oh, the, the stereotypical fairy tale witch, bad uh, middle-aged to older, ugly woman. Ward on the nose. Ward on the nose, depicted poison in apple. a lot of... Yeah, poison apple, depicted in a lot of Disney cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, melts with water. Mm-hmm. I did a college project on witches. I think I told you that. Mm-hmm. That was uh, a little bit of an eye-opener to uh, to the positive side. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The more uh, spiritual, metaphysical belief system. Right. I still didn't know much until I just listened to this conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, will, will think of the image they have in their minds from fairy tales. Or quite honestly, I thought you were going to go with uh, Monty Python's version. <laughs> a witch. A witch. Burn her. Uh, you know, so everyone everyone gets it in their mind, you know, of, of what... Uh, what they think it is. And uh, I figured what better time than the week before Halloween than to sit down and have a conversation with one of Portland's real life witches. You get into this a lot in the conversation and you'll hear it coming up. Witchcraft magic has found a home in Portland. Absolutely. I think there's, uh, you know, in keeping with the city's weird, uh, you know, there there are a lot of things here that are attractive to people who are seeking that out. But I think one of the things we talked about was just kind of the ways in which the city itself uh, has maybe 
continued or created an environment that allows it to really flourish too. Uh, I'll let Erica explain that a little bit. So I, I, I hope that everyone will enjoy my conversation with Erica Fortner. She's the owner of Queen Meb. It is a metaphysical apothecary shop in Northeast Portland um, and is a home for all sorts of different things and all sorts of different customers. Uh, whether you're someone who considers themselves a witch uh, and actively practices a whole host of different metaphysical activities, be it uh, divination or tarot reading or astrology or any any different kinds of things, or whether you are just dipping your toes in as they say and and just kind of interested in what else is out there uh it's a it's a fascinating place to go and i thought that this was a fascinating conversation to see what witchcraft and magic actually looks like in real life and it's uh i'll say it's very different from the disney fairy tale that you know Let's just kind of start off with a little bit of background about you, Erica. Tell me about yourself. Oh, okay. I'll give you a short synopsis. My parents actually met in Eugene in the, let's see, that would be in the 70s, late 70s. And my sister was born there. And then uh, they ended up moving to California. So I was born in there and then grew up in a woodworking shop in a very interesting town. So Ventura is kind of a vortex for energies and things like that. Lots of hippies yeah. and yuppies and bikers and surfers, right? Totally. Long story short, grew up in a cabinet shop, did a lot of elite work for famous people, you know, Hollywood Hills, Malibu Coast, things like that. My dad's a woodworker. So did that for a while, got into building computers and computer animating from a young age. And then I ended up in New York. I worked in the fine art world for a very famous painter who got a MacArthur See, I started for her in about, I don't even know the year. It was about 12 or 13 years I worked for her. So I ended up moving to Europe, to Berlin. And then I was working for her while I was in college and then moved the day that I graduated from college to Berlin and then worked on this big project for Goldman Sachs with all these international museums and galleries and all sorts of stuff. Met my partner, got pregnant, ran away from New York because no way would I have kids there and then tried to come back to the West Coast here. And we ended up in Eugene for uh -huh. a couple of years. We were there for three years while I had my little baby. So I had her strapped on and working in this little tiny store that we created. And then my partner was in film and video. And so he needs more opportunities than we, out, we outgrew Eugene very quickly. So we ended sure, up here. Yeah. Sure. Had you wanted to come back to the West Coast prior to, to starting a family? Had that kind of been on your mind? I miss the Pacific Ocean a lot. There's something very special yeah. about here. We did look at going up to Vancouver, BC because of the film industry, mm -hmm. because we're not married yet, me and my partner. There's like a visa issue. So I would have been stuck here and then he would have been over there. And then if he left, he would have probably lost his visa. So it's, we just ended up saying, let's just do it and stay here and he has family from out here as well he had family that lived in eugene for what like 15 years or something yeah 30 years and they say eugene like brings people back so it's like a weird city that there's a curse of eugene we actually got trapped there a week <laughs> after our engine 
uh, died in our car. So uh, (laughs) I was like, look, it's the Eugene curse. (laughs) We tried to come to Portland first, but it was like just as expensive and so hard to get work that uh, like compared to New York. So we just thought, oh, we just got to start somewhere smaller again and make it easier, you know, for us. And then you moved up to Portland about uh, 10, was it 10 years ago? Oh, no, I was, uh, we've only been here about three years in in Portland. Um, We've been in our current building for the business here about three years. And then we were in Eugene for about three years. So yeah, maybe six, six or seven years. Gotcha. So tell me a little bit about your shop, about Queen Meb. We found this gem here that is an old historic building right near Sullivan's Gulch area. This is an old building from the 20s. How cool. The ceilings are phenomenal and there's a lot of history in this building uh needed some love but the landlord's very cool so he kind of lets us do what we wanted to do to flip it over here and then we've been here for a while and he's just an awesome landlord so we just keep keep saying <laughs> i know people who are, are listening to this pod won't be able to see but you're in your shop right now and i just see this beautiful like wall behind you of uh, all sorts of fun kind of apothecary looking things and glowy lights up Lots on the ceiling plants. all this ornamental framework and plants and it's very very cool what are some of the things that you sell oh i we make a lot of things so uh, i just updated our wholesale account last night so i think that's probably about 150 different things that we make. So that ranges from brooms to ceramics to some jewelry, most of jewelry we buy, but we do make a little bit here and there. And then metaphysical items, so particularly made for ritual practice. And then we delve into apothecary goods, which is kind of for everybody who wants to be sort of affected by the vibe, but they don't want to delve so far into the witchy side of things. And then we also make makeup. And I do that because I have this very long history of color theory. And uh, a while back, my sister had breast cancer and um, getting into just sort of the clean living and just kind of cutting out all the contaminants and things. So just getting back to herbs, nature, minimal ingredients and things. And the nice thing about making those things here, like we do all the candles and such, you can bring your glass back and get it refilled. You can get your bottles refilled for your room spray and you're not recycling that glass. So that's kind of a yeah. Works for Portland. When I lived in Germany, they recycle a lot. So it really changes your outlook on recycling and making really conscious choices about, you know, beer. Definitely. Well, so you you mentioned a bit of the metaphysical and uh, some of the other stuff that can be ritualistic in some way, but maybe for people who are dipping their toe in. So I want to get into that a little bit and, and just kind of how the, the culture in Portland maybe has allowed what you do to really kind of flourish here mm-hmm. in this city. But before that, I guess I kind of have to back up a little bit. So would would you call yourself a witch? Do you introduce yourself? I would. Yeah, to people? I that? would. It took me years um to accept that yeah Um, but I started when I was about 15 and I'm 41 now so I'm fine with it now (laughs) what's the typical reaction um it depends it really depends it's a word that's been used throughout history in a lot of different countries so you have to remember where people are coming from Mm -hmm. their personal experience religious background and how that was viewed in their own family so you know, a lot of this historical things, you have people who have witchcraft or witches in their family, and they were hiding in plain sight because it was not safe to do so. So you get into things like Appalachian or Southern root root work and conjure magic, and that stuff was all prevalent, but, you know, you have to hide. Yeah. And, you know, Portland is actually a Scorpio city. So this, if you look at the astrology of the city you're in, They only do some of the larger cities, but Portland is a Scorpio city, which is obsessed with sex, money, death, and the occult. So 
That, Here we that, are. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so is yeah. that, when you when you look at doing a um, astrology for a city, is that based off of the locate like the geographic location? Is that the city's like founding birth chart? What do you It is the location and I believe the astrologers who do it, it has to do with the founding time yeah. that they choose. Yeah. So Eugene is a Gemini city. Oh. So you have sort of the university and the kind of hippie uh, Mary Prankster vibes simultaneously happening. Yeah, I was so. going to say that duality fits perfectly there. Yeah, yeah. Check out your city. See what it is. How <laughs> interesting. I've never looked too much into uh, into city astrology. I, it's, I will say it's one of those things that I have kind of learned a little bit more about, especially over the last uh, couple years here. I don't know about anybody else, but I found myself spending a little more time at home and had a little, oh, yeah. had a little more free time on my hands. Netflix only gets you so far. So, uh, you know, in kind of learning a little more about astrology and just some of the fun things that, that Portland as a city, I think, has really kind of helped cultivate. I felt like I was seeing a lot more discussion about whether it's, you know, astrology, tarot, ritual, anything within the metaphysical. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm seeing a lot more of it now on social media, online. I'm curious if that's something that you're seeing. Have we seen this kind of 21st century revival in some ways of this stuff? There is. Just the amount of people that have come in talking and saying, I'm new to this, whatever, dipping my toes in this. I've been interested, but I'm afraid. There's a lot of people. And I think that's because we're seeing it in the media, number one. So like there are fashion designers using tarot. There, You know, things cycle back through. Mm -hmm. Even just like, you know, the TV shows that were happening where, you know, sort of somewhat glorifying it, making it super cool to be, you know, witchy. Mm -hmm. And um, you have this reclamation of social power of women and the LGBTQI community, which is very accepted in the witch community as well. And you have that saying, hey, we get to decide our rules and these kind of mainstream ideas don't really fit. And the witch has always been somebody who has been kind of beaten down and their power lies in what they can control, which is their energy and the elements around them. And so I think that that's really inviting to a lot of different types of people because it's not a religion. It is a concept and a philosophy per se on how to look at your world around you. And we can get into semantics about things like there's the love and light community or the left-hand path. And there are a gazillion different ways to go along this, but your intention does have something to do with the way that you perceive things in this world. And so it's unique to each person. And so that's very empowering when you feel like you don't have choices or life is just hard. And you're saying, I need to reprogram myself and figure out ways to make life easier. And I can use natural things around me that have these different elements and energies about them, just call them that. Mm -hmm. And depending on which path you go down, Mm -hmm. and then you can use those things to help influence what you'd like to do. So that I mean, that's empowering for somebody who says, we have a lot of 50 plus, you know, people coming in, lots of therapists, doctors, acupuncturists, regular run of the mill, nine to five workers. It, it's a really large variety of people that come and shop here. That's inviting to somebody who comes to a place where they say, I don't know what I want to do with my life and I need direction. So maybe they want to delve into divination to try to get some answers about what they were supposed to learn and what they need to decide now, because this Mm -hmm. is never going to, the witchcraft path is never going to kind of tell you what to do. You do have to make your own decisions along the way. So there's that line of empowering some hints and trusting the process along the way. So it's cool. 
Yeah. So who doesn't like that? (laughs) Right. So so what first drew you and I guess I'll just use the general term magic. I don't know if that would be how you would characterize it. But I'm, I'm curious, what first drew you to magic? And when was kind of the first time that you felt like this is working for me? I was 15. <laughs> I was raised evangelical. But when I was very young, my parents, my dad was a merry prankster. He was like an acid head out in college and stuff. So <laughs> my perception of my youth and then, you know, there was this major conservative Christian movement that was in California in the 80s. And a lot of people ended up sort of getting involved in that. So that's what my family got involved in. And it was very strict and confining because we're not talking about just regular church experience. You know, it's like speaking in tongues and saving people. And I was seeing things in my house. We had a very creepy house. And Ventura in general is very haunted. And the answers that I was looking for were not being provided by that religion and that place, which was there's something wrong or evil with you. Mm -hmm. You must be doing something. You know, for me, it was like, I didn't ask for this. If you look at my astrology chart, I actually have a lot of like Pisces in there. They're like naturally psychic people. I was going to ask if you have like a 12th house stellium or anything like that. Uh, My partner does. Actually, he's got a 12th house stellium in Scorpio. Mm. I have my Venus and Chiron in the 12th house, but I actually have, I believe my Mercury's in Pisces. And I'm a Aries Pisces cusp, which I've had a, another local astrology friend who owns a different shop in town who said, um, oh, that's a powerful place to be. And you live on your Pluto line, aligned with Pluto, obsessed with the occult, running an occult shop. So yes, this could be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, it's been interesting. Portland's an interesting city. It has a variety of different types of people. I have a gentleman outside who's yelling or singing. I'm not sure. Variety of different types of people here where the weird is kind of embraced. You know, we've had a couple rocks thrown through a window. We had a gunfight out at one o'clock in the morning a couple nights ago. Somebody trying to get shot. But that is what's happening in the city right now. It's not necessarily with us. Right, so. right. And yeah. we, we've seen overall, you know, a general trends and, and issues kind of citywide and in some ways reflecting what's that's what's big city stuff, right. you know, coming from New York. It's like, right. that's just got to roll with it. Yeah. You know, well, when you look at the occult and the metaphysical in Portland, it's to be I wonder if it's kind of is it a chicken and egg kind of thing? Do you think that there were communities that were drawn to Portland that have kind of allowed it to flourish here? Or is there something about Portland that kind of set the stage for that? Well, I can't speak for the indigenous people that lived here, but there is definitely a different belief here than where I was from, which was Chumash land. And one of the things that some of the people in that community have talked to us about here was that there's so much water in the ground that the, the way that you use energy and you manipulate it is not to send it into the ground because there's too much water here. So normally in the practice, you would ground energy and send it down. But there's so much water in the ground, they say you should actually send it up into the sky. Not everybody would practice that way. But then you have things like in Victorian times, if you look it up, there almost every household had a Ouija board, a spirit board um, during that time here. And then the crows speak for themselves here, Mm -hmm. a very magical bird. But in mythology and also in the magical world represents a lot of that in-between spirit world as well. So 
I would say it is likely the energy of the land. And there's something magical about the forests here. So that's going to harness a lot of energy. And if you go around the world and travel, a lot of these really amazing energetic places do have kind of interesting forests and nature around them that do affect what's happening. So having things so close, like this very wild ocean and these very sort of fey inspired forests, I would say it probably lends to the magic of the land and then the people who live on it are going to adjust and shift that. So currently, the people that are attracted here are probably attracted to that kind of energy. They're attracted to that, the magic that is Portland here, you know, which can maybe upheave your life a little bit, but it can be positive, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're talking during October. It's it's spooky season, I remember one of the first times before I moved here, one of the first times that I remember kind of seeing something about Portland in the news was the paddleboarding witches on the Willamette. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, oh, yeah. it's like that always makes like national news and stuff as like a fun, quirky story. It does. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's Portland. You know, I'm curious. Do you think that the magic or the metaphysical, is it getting a kind of rebrand at all in, in different ways? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the Peabody right now out in uh, Salem, there's a whole witchcraft reclaiming the witchcraft trials exhibition that's happening right now. Yeah. And um, I know some of the people who were photographed from that. You know, most of them are going to be from the U.S. or um, live in the U.S. now. And they practice all the different variations of their magical path. And it's literally across the board, a lot of different types of people. I even have a lot of Catholics who come in here as well, because they always, there's a joke in the pagan community that if you scratch a Catholic, you find a a pagan hiding underneath (laughs) because they're very into the ritual process of something. So the symbology of what something represents. And so it very easily translates over. You see that also in like Mexico, where you have people practicing sort of like a blend of Catholicism mixed with sort of the indigenous practice mixed with uh, witchcraft right. practice. I think it's so, it's always yeah. interesting too, as you dig into the roots of, of many religions, oftentimes you find that some of those rituals and, and different calendar dates and, and things were put in place to help assimilate some of those. A lot of the churches in Europe are built on top of old, spiritual or pagan sites, you know, it's evolved, you know, into things, you know, there's even a Christian witchcraft community that Mm. is, they had, I think their first meetup in Salem, right before the pandemic, it's across the board. That's fascinating. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I talk with Erica about her history of tarot reading and witch talk the way magic has found its way into social media. Cannabis. Cannabis. Less than 10 years ago, it was trafficked in the shadows. Today, you get a receipt with your purchase. I'm Travis Box. Each episode, I'll sit down one-on-one with the major players in the Oregon cannabis industry. The activists. The medical professionals. The legislators. The economists. The regulators. Where does this budding billion-dollar industry go from here? It's the Mainstream Weedia Podcast. Coming this November. To the COIN Podcast Network. Hi, this is Jeff Giannola from Coin6 News, and I'd like to invite you to watch Coin6 News at 10 on Portland CW. It's our award-winning newscast one hour earlier at 10 o'clock. A full hour of the stories that are important to you and your family from the news team that's watching out for you. 
plus Portland's most accurate forecast certified by weather rate from Chief Meteorologist Natasha Stenbach. See why more people are switching to Coin 6 News at 10 on Portland CW. Watching out for you. Hello, Coin 6 News anchor Emily Burris here. We know your mornings are busy and we want to help you be in the know as you head out the door. That's why the Coin Podcast Network is bringing you a brand new podcast called The Daily Six. Every weekday, we'll bring you the day's six biggest headlines in a quick and concise report on demand and on your schedule. So check out the Coin Podcast Network on coin.com or have The Daily Six sent directly to you each day by subscribing to the Coin Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The Coin 6 weather team has the most accurate forecast in town, certified by WeatherRate. Coin 6 weather, watching out for you. So I know one of the other things that uh, you've done for quite some time is read tarot. So can you give us just kind of yes. a brief overview of, of what tarot is? I'm like a tarot nerd. I'm just going to be honest here. I'm a painter. That's what I went to school for. So I like the pictures and the symbology and interpreting because I do abstract art. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at something, the things that you see that can kind of change, right? So you can interpret the way you feel based on where your mind goes and the general meaning or the vibe of what you're looking at. So just as you would go into a museum and look at a picture, the same thing can happen with a tarot card. So there are different types of cartomancy or fortune telling cards, oracle cards, tarot cards. Tarot is the easiest because each card represents the same meaning essentially. And then you have your own twist interpretation on it. So I read really uniquely. I read with about 10 different decks at once. Wow. Got a Gemini moon. So I like to layer them based on different personalities. And I like indie decks. So I try to buy one of our top selling decks here is the Portland made maker as well. Scorpio. Oh, cool. Maker. <laughs> yeah, that's a really awesome deck. I visually layer them. So when I'm reading with somebody on the fly, I can build this map of the questions and the type of questions that I have to help me understand where they're coming from. Because tarot is never going to answer specifics. You do have people who are very gifted in that, but those are special gifts that people have. And it's quite rare. Most of the time, a good tarot reader is never going to tell you to break up with your boyfriend, quit your job. They're going to say, here's what happens if you do this. Here's what happens if you do this. Do you like that or would you rather choose a different path? Hmm. If you change your mind, here's what's likely to happen. And we always have choices. So when you're reading divination, a good rule of thumb is to read no more than six months out because a lot can happen. Like when the pandemic came, we all didn't expect it. And so there was (laughs) these weird like astrologers going, there's something going on, but nobody knows what it is. And then all of a sudden it's like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. A lot of 2020 looks really crazy, but we don't know. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There was a lot of different planetary things going on that changes your perspective on things and in turn will change the decisions that you make. So all of a sudden, everybody was getting their tarot read or wanted to read their own tarot because they're like, I got to figure out, I got to get some answers because nobody's going to tell me that I'm going to pay my rent or that it's going to be okay this month, you know? And so there's a lot of that sort of like trying to let go and try not to overstress and focus on, you know, manifesting what you're looking for and making life easier when it just feels like you're getting all a bag of lemons, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm very unique. I've taught maybe about 600 students for tarot and I've been reading about 28 years and I'm like a maniac 
in the tarot world. I'm, I'm not, I don't read like everybody else, but I think that's really good because it empowers people to say, I can know the basics. I can make up some of my own rules about it. So it works for me and I can really delve into it further, you know, and with all forms of divination, some of it is very abstract. You have bones or sticks or shells or scrying in water, mm-hmm. um, candle reading. There's tons of different types of divination. Mm-hmm. And so you interpret based on general interpretations, and then you can go further with that. But tarot is fun because it blows people's mind if they haven't experienced it. And then they get a reading and they go, oh my gosh, how do you know all this about me? (laughs) I'm just reading the cards. I can't actually read your mind. I can just read the cards. That's all. Yeah. That kind of brings up uh, the next thing I was going to ask you. Is there anything that you think is just totally out there? If someone says they can do something or claims that they will do this, You know what I mean? Like if you go to a psychic and they say that they can give you an answer about you're going to meet someone in a month, like is there any scammers? Yeah, I was going to swindlers. How do you kind of where do you know that someone is trying to scam you? This industry, just as well as every other industry, Mm -hmm. we'll just take a car salesman because they're very famous for that, Mm -hmm. for having swindlers or somebody who can sell you a lemon car when you really shouldn't be buying it. It's something throughout every industry that's been taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And so there is a saying that the person that you're listening to, they should never tell you things like break up with your boyfriend, Mm -hmm. leave your job, give me $4,000. I'll take this energy off of you and you'll be better. That's a really common one. What they should do is give you tools to help you so you can understand on your own. As soon as you need them, it's a red flag because you have to keep coming back. Not great for business. You would like them to come back, (laughs) but you're not teaching them how to fish by doing that. You're just providing it. So the, the concept is to provide some tools so they can safely feel like they're exploring something. And then they can come back and say, okay, I like that. Can I learn more about tools to move forward with this? And so they, they continuously grow in that way. So yeah, if anybody wants a big chunk of money, big red flag, sure, they might be good at doing something like that, but it's never easy. And then there's a lot of people who also controlling other people, love magic, stuff like that. I'm always pretty wary about that right. because controlling other people is not a very ethical thing to do. So we want to be good people in the process right. of what we're doing, not try to wish harm on anybody else. You know, What do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about what modern day magic or modern day witchcraft looks like? Oh, I mean, that really varies on the type of person who's asking. I would say for somebody mostly who's been involved in the mainstream, it's probably TV based or movie based witches. So looking at the craft or American Horror Story or something like that. Also thinking that you can read their mind or there's there's sort of a variety of like very strange questions. I did actually have somebody if I actually ride my broom and I just thought, (laughs) (laughs) uh, no, I could, but it would be comical. Yeah, it wouldn't be wouldn't be what you're looking for. (laughs) If that was right, if that was a realistic way to get around here. Uh, I think a lot more people would opt for it instead of sitting on uh, Highway 26 or totally, I-5. Totally. <laughs> I just take surface roads. Surface roads. I just don't do the highway. 
it's too much like LA. Exactly. So, but I would say one of the things to think about is the stories that witches have been given. Even if you just look at every fantasy Disney movie out there, they're the bad ones. Right. Right. They're the they're the ones that are going to get you. And so there's this demonification or this it's actually been written about. There's different times in history that it's happened based on religious or political movements, things like that, depending on where uh, it's happened. Those stories over years have been sort of passed on and changed. Mm-hmm. So it is sort of embedded in the culture as well that witches are bad. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, the witches were the uh, midwives. They were the herbalist healers. They were the ones who somehow knew that that plant was going to help, even though nobody told them that that's the plant. We know stuff. Being a witch is cool. You can uh, you can really absorb a lot of information and you can listen to your intuition to find some answers. It won't fix your life. It won't. You know, everybody has, still has problems and just like whatever. But it is another way of looking at life and seeing that maybe the energy that connects us all and the energy of things is actually much more tangible than what we imagine. And if we look at science and quarks and that nothing is solid, all of a sudden our brains melt and we realize, ah, magic is possible then because nothing is solid and time is not linear. (laughs) (laughs) Brain melting stuff. But if we think about it from a science perspective and from a philosophical perspective on life, they do sort of coincide with each other. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was thinking if nothing else, it seems like I know I have a few friends who I think have kind of come into certain things. I know it's certainly something that I've looked at is just a different lens for understanding yourself and your place in the world. Mm-hmm. And if there's mm-hmm. if there's tools to help someone in that initiative, it's uh yeah, it's not necessarily what what film and TV I think would portray. No, and I still like those kind of shows, but there are some negative things. Like even my daughter, she's in kindergarten and she started to say, you know, oh, this bad witch. And I just say, well, your mom's a witch. She's like, well, you're a good witch. I'm like, well, there's good witches out there. We need to stop doing the princess story and we need to stop doing the bad witch story because those type of villains are all associated with just this old concept. Yeah. You know, it's not to say they don't exist, but those people, they're all different types of people. They don't have to be just witches, you know? Yeah. I think the other common kind of media stereotype that I see get kind of... uh, written into some of these storylines too is if you come near a Ouija board or tarot cards or some of these different metaphysical or the occult tools, you will be opening a portal to something evil oh, yes. and bad. I mean, is have you found that to be the case? It is exactly what I was told growing up in a fundamentalist Christian community that that is the devil. If it's not for Jesus, it's the devil and it will get you. Right. There are wives' tales And some of them come from the fear-based side of things, so social or religious backgrounds, trying to keep you involved in the communities and not to leave. Then you have the other side of it, which is what you would call like the gatekeeping community of the metaphysical side or the witchy side of things, where they don't want to teach you all this stuff because that means you don't need them anymore. If I said, if you touch and read your own tarot cards without me and you don't learn properly then they will get you, then it will likely scare you into never really fully embracing it and empowering yourself to do it and trust yourself because you're always going to be afraid because I told you Mm -hmm. that it was scary. Mm -hmm. So part of the process, I think, is to learn that the fear is really about your limitations and your view on the outside world. And then understanding that you sort of confronting your history, where you come from, what you believe now, 
where you'd like to go. And if you find that stuff very limiting. Yeah, TikTok, YouTube, the witch talk community, <laughs> lots of fear-based stuff. I had somebody come in and ask me if Moldavite could actually kill them because they saw it on oh, a the TikTok Moldavite video. Thing. I've <laughs> seen that on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. And we have Moldavite. And I just say, here, hold this, tell me. And then they go, oh my God, this Moldavite. And I'm like, you're not going to die. You're <laughs> fine. And then they're like, well, I actually kind of like this stone. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Because you're not afraid of it. You don't know what it is. I just put it in your hand. It's not going to kill you. Right. It might, might make you... Um, have a very strong meditation or if you have some intuitive gifts, you might see or feel something more than normal. But otherwise, it's a meteorite that fused with the earth and it's got interesting vibe. That's the downside of the internet is, you know, there's so much information so easily accessible, but you also have to kind of do your homework and verify some of that information. We, we see is, that in our business is. too. So, <laughs> And it is the same with learning from people. Yeah. You want to learn from people that you respect not that you feel like they know everything. A lot of these like tarot readers online, they'll just like flip these cards out and they're just like, it's sort of performance based. Yeah. I'm just reading to one person out there. It's a lot like, what is the John Edwards? I don't want to put John Edwards in the bus here. You know, like somebody out here's got a Bob. There's a uh -huh. Bob who's passed. Right. I'm getting the letter M. You know, that's the right. most common. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that kind of thing. And that's a little bit of a red flag. Right. Sure, it's possible. But right. that is one a technique for reading people and sort of casting out to a large group of people and somebody's going to bite and say, Oh, yeah, that's for me. Mm. That's for me real quick, because so. I know I have to let you go. If anyone is interested in, in learning a little more about Portland's witchy scene, where's a good place to start? There's a lot of online communities, I would say to be careful who is leading them and the type of energy, make sure that you're comfortable with the things that are being discussed. You have a lot of like naysayers, gatekeepers, fear mongering, you do have a lot of the older community being sort of ostracized. It used to be that you go to like an elder and you would try to learn from them. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of in-person things happening right now. So I have an online school that I run. I actually have about 25 writers and I think nine instructors international. And each one of those people that writes for us has their own information, their own path, and their own group of people that they're connected with. So if you like somebody's vibe, maybe research about them, see if you like what they're saying, and then see who they're associated with, see if there's a way that you can kind of energetically connect with that, or maybe they have a school offering or teach a class or wrote a book and then start from there. Hands-on stuff is really good. Books are great because you can touch them and kind of feel how you feel. Do I feel good? Oh, I'm getting a headache from this book. I don't really particularly think I want to read this book or even do a very easy form of divination, which is bibliomancy, which is to ask, what are you going to teach me? And then open your page up and read the vibe of the book and the kind of energy that comes through with that writer and see how that vibes with you. It's a really good way to, they've done that throughout, people do that with the Bible, um, throughout history with trying to get answers on stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a couple meetup groups, I think, that are happening. There's a Willamette uh, which is in Pagans, there's definitely some very like iffy groups. Most of them, I think, have been kind of phased out here. You know, like there's a heathen community that is very much like anti-racism. They're very hardcore about it and make sure that they don't let anybody in their community with that because, you know, that heathen word or getting into the Norse path has been really associated with a negative thing. So you want to make sure that, you know, it aligns with the values that you have as well, because you don't want to be learning from somebody unbalanced or aligned with some weird stuff, because then you're taking that on. So I would say 
unfortunately with the internet being the way it is, um, not being able to meet people, check them out and then see if you can meet them, get a vibe, see if it feels good and ask questions. And then if you want to get into divination, maybe use that to find out if that's a good practice for you. People come in and say, I want to be in a coven. And I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) You want to know the people that you're going to do magic with before you do magic with them. Yeah. Because they don't A, accept people unless you vibe with them. And then B, you don't want to do magic with people that you don't like their vibe because you're going to be taking that home. It makes your energy and your life crazy feeling too. So Mm. yeah, books, books are great. Lots of stuff online. You can do the YouTube and TikTok stuff, but I would definitely be cautious because it's all the stuff that's shared is all like sort of fanciful, fear tactic, fear mongering, you know, yeah, Moldavite's going to kill me kind of stuff. (laughs) And it's shared because it's also kind of crazy and ridiculous. Right, right. The algorithms, for sure. Totally. (laughs) I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and answering all my questions today. This has been really fun. You're welcome. Yeah, it's it's been great. I have no idea what I said, but um, you're welcome (laughs) to come in and chat. Um, we got weird hours and stuff, but yeah. um, it's a fun place to like put your hands on some things and touch a rock or look at a pair of like deck of tarot cards and see how they feel. That is one of the problems with buying something online. You don't get to touch it. Right, right. Um, so as you get better, you will learn how to recognize that stuff from a distance and you can, you don't have to touch them in person, but it really does help. Thanks, Erica. Thanks so much. Yeah, have a good one. You ever done a tarot reading? I have. Did you enjoy it? I did. Uh, You know, Erica talked a little bit about the way that you can't sit down and ask, you know, will I get promoted or should I date this person? And and if someone is telling you that that's what you can ask and they will give you an answer, you should take your money and get up and walk away. I, I think, and I, I touched on this a little bit with Erica, I just think it's interesting when you, when you look at uh, lots of different types of things, when you look at tarot, when you look at astrology, when you compare it to numerology, personality tests, uh, you, you begin to see some similarities. Uh, the structure and, and the foundations might be different. The setup and the configuration might be different. But ultimately, I think a lot of these things can just be tools, systems to, you know, contemplate, analyze, and better understand yourself and the world around you and your place in it. And I think that's why we're seeing a trend of uh, this growing interest in a lot of these metaphysical things right now. If you look at the world we've been in for the last two years, it's stressful. It's tough right now. And, and people are seeing their their beliefs tested through unmeasurable amounts of pain. A lot of the systems that we've had in our society and things in place in our life are not working the way that they intended or, you know, have worked for for generations. And so I think there is, for some people, this wanting to look at new ways of looking at the world, mm-hmm. you know, um, or or maybe a willingness to to try something that might have se- might have seemed very out there before. During trying times, during confusing times, people go looking for mm-hmm. answers. I guess what pleased me the most about your interview with Erica is this idea that unlike a lot of the other places and the other ways through religion, people go looking for answers and get answers. 
that will tell you, and she mentioned with her upbringing, the other way is wrong. Mm -hmm. This, what she was describing was this idea that, hey, this might work for you. Mm -hmm. This might make you feel like you belong to something. This might make you, give you the feeling that, that you're on the right path and that kind of thing. And if it doesn't, meh. Mm -hmm. You know, right. And and that a lot of it ends up, I think, falling on the individual. This right. might work for you. You might react to this in a certain way. Uh, but also, I think it, it the emphasis is on on you and in some ways kind of tuning in, you know, finding that tuning fork to kind of tune into yourself and, mm -hmm. and be more aware of how you are affected by the things around you. If it's entertaining to you this time of year, I think it's worth spending just a little bit of time uh, even looking at things through a historical perspective and understanding the ways in which witches have been portrayed throughout history and, and just maybe kind of look at is there more to the story and to look at the ways in which things are in our society and our culture today, you might be kind of surprised. It might it might change your perception of what a witch is. And uh, I don't think anyone is going around offering anyone poison apples, I'll say that. Thanks, Emily. Happy Halloween. The Coin Podcast Network is your home for on-demand coverage of local news, sports, weather, and entertainment you won't find anywhere else. You can always find us on coin.com slash podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Cannabis. Cannabis. Less than 10 years ago, it was trafficked in the shadows. Today, you get a receipt with your purchase. I'm Travis Box. Each episode, I'll sit down one-on-one -on -one with the major players in the Oregon cannabis industry. The activists. The medical professionals. The legislators. The economists. The regulators. Where does this budding billion-dollar industry go from here? It's the Mainstream Weedia Podcast. Coming this November. To the COIN Podcast Network.